0: To another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you on the Outsports podcast network, radio network. I don't know. I I should have my spiel down by now for the most part. I do. I don't know. Anyway, we're getting away from the point. It's LGBT in the Ring this week. We are talking all things AEW Revolution. Uh, from this past Sunday, and we have our regular uh, guest to talk about AEW shows here. uh, Fanfight editor uh, Colette Aaron is coming back to chat about this this show, as we always do. Um, But before we get to that discussion and share our thoughts on, on Sunday's events, I do want to hit up a couple of things that occurred on that same weekend. Um, obviously, you know, last week we had Coda Holiday on the show ahead of It it's for Everyone up in uh, Chicago, and you know, I haven't seen the show. Obviously, no one, unless you were there in person, has seen the show yet. It's going to go up on IWTV sometime soon. But um, the message of that show and and all of the people that were participating in it um, really added a lot of heart to that and uh, the images that we have seen coming out of it are uh, amazing to see so far. Um, you know, seeing don't die miles and Marshy rocket, um, just the little snippets that we've seen so far, some of the pictures of miles, the pride and the emotion on their face, um, finally getting to, to debut in their hometown of Chicago. Um, obviously the, the clip of Coda and, and Ziggy Heim, uh, you know what? Coda talked a lot about uh, making a death list and and bringing death upon herself last week. And if that's the, just the small morsel that we get so far, it's it's shipping up to be exactly that. Uh, Anthony Henry saving Gage looked like a lot of fun. And then, of course, the match that we sponsored here on the show, uh, Mateo Valentine, Aesop Mitchell, and Russell Rogue. Um, just a whole lot of gay shit, apparently. <laughs> In the best way possible, uh, and the clip that that Mateo has shared, uh, you know, ahead of his uh, little sp- his speech ahead of the the match, uh, I can say for myself personally, um, it's very touching. Um, I saw that um, in like the last minutes of my birthday on Monday, and as I said on Twitter, like that was a amazing birthday present to get just to. To see the impact that the show and the work that I do, how it how it um, translates into pro wrestling in general, and to see that the mission of this show is continuing in the ring that way through the people that are actually stepping into the ring, <laughs> you know, like Mateo, like Russell, um, like Moondog, like uh, Coda, um. Like Joey Mayberry, MV Young on that show too. That I I imagine uh I heard a forbidden door got broken. Anyway. Um it's just it's very, very touching to me personally, and I want to thank Mateo for the very, very kind words. And um, you know, actually I think I can I can share this a little bit here. Mateo is gonna be a guest on this show coming up in the very, very near future and i am very excited to to chat with him about that moment as well as so much so much else when it comes to um his outspoken support of lgbtq identities and pro wrestling um it's it was just awesome to see and i thank him and i once again reiterate i i cannot wait to see this show uh whatever it goes up on iwtv so make sure to stay tuned there as soon as we know anything we will we will let you know about a date or anything like that. Um, also, out here on the West Coast, Hood Slam returned again, March fourth. Um, what a card! Honestly, uh, it's just Hood Slam is one of those companies that uh, it's it's bewildering to me personally. Not because I'm like surprised by their success or the crowds they pull, even though they're not running anywhere near as regularly as they were pre-pandemic or anything like that but it's just remarkable to see the the reach and the popularity and how many different communities that company speaks to um that they pull the kind of crowds that they do there in the bay i mean you saw for their return show their previous return show their first show since the pandemic um they've Pull like 2,000 people. And the numbers were very similar this time around too. You know, the show's on fight. Uh, if you go check it out, it's like nine ninety nine 99 on fight. Um, and, you know, even though we had a, a heel turn from Dark Sheik, um, which, I don't know, personally, it's hard for me to ever move against Dark Sheik. Uh, but that's beside the point. Um, it just goes to show the how authenticity translates to building up a community and building up uh, a company that can succeed in the way that they do, even running sporadically now. You know, I'm hoping that their them gets back to some kind of regularity. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a weekly uh, company. You know, a lot has changed since the pandemic started. You know, people... People's locations have changed. Um, and, and you know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, and so there's still um, circumstances that dictate uh, how some of these events run. But it just, it's just amazing to me to, to see Hood Slam continue to thrive in the way that they do and to continue to grow in the way that they are. Um, you know, Dark Chic has built something amazing out there. And uh, you know, it's one of those companies that Still, have on my list to to see in person, um, and I need to uh, scratch them off of that list. I need to correct that for myself. So hopefully, hopefully, crossing fingers, will be able to do that. But I don't know. It's it's an amazing story to, to continue to watch them grow and, and do what they do. Um, and also, who could ever be disappointed by a drugs bunny match for real? <laughs> Well, we talked about Hood Slam Friday. We talked about analysis for everyone Saturday. Let's go to Sunday and talk about AEW Revolution with Colette Aaron. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and I'm very excited to have back as my guest this week from Fan Fight, Colette Aaron, all ready and geared up to talk about AEW Revolution from this past Sunday. How are you colette
1: i'm doing fantastic
0: how are you i'm doing well i'm doing good uh it was a good weekend for wrestling i think uh coming out of it so we had obviously like hood slam ran again and that was that's always dope and then we closed it out with AEW's latest pay-per-view which had a lot of momentum i think heading into it uh this time around i think the Obviously CM Punk and MJF uh, was a match that a lot of people wanted to see. Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho um, was another uh, match that I think was drawing some people to it. The the kind of reignition of Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. And of course all capped off with Adam Page and Adam Cole uh, for the AEW world title in the main event. Um, how are you feeling heading into this? Like, you know, watching and, and covering everything that day has been doing heading into the pay-per-view?
1: Uh, There were definitely, like, a few matches that I was really interested in. Like, at first, I was uh, of the opinion that Eddie Kingston having to deal with Chris Jericho was just going to be a waste of Eddie Kingston's time, and I was wrong about that Um, because the feud kept getting better and better from, like, Jericho just being of insecure um like it was it was pretty clear where this was headed um and now you know dynamite has passed so like we can maybe talk about it a, a little bit of retrospect on that but um i thought that that feud went really well um cm punk and mjf was like another feud that like initially i didn't have uh any like real like i i thought that both of them had kind of gotten off on the wrong step with each other and they pulled out like I thought like an incredibly emotionally affecting feud uh, Moxley versus Danielson had a great feud mm. the whole way through, I think. Um, and, you know, there's, there's other stuff on there that like, I, I like Hangman Page a lot. Um, there's, there's other people on on the card that I really like a lot uh, sting, obviously huge fan, um, <laughs> but like, we'll, we'll get to sting. <laughs> yeah. But they were like involved in like feuds that like, I don't, I'll just be honest. I don't care about bullet club drama. Like, and that's what Adam Cole, the young bucks, like, et cetera, et cetera, are to me. And like, even though they're not like, you know, red dragon uh, as part of undisputed era, they kind of are like an offshoot of bullet club drama because of Adam Cole, like Adam Cole being pulled in both ways. So there were like two major matches on the card that I, I flat out was like, all right, like these will be good matches, but I, I don't care about it. Um, and the rest was just kind of there, like, you know, so far as build was concerned, like, it was all a good card on paper. Um, you know, I, I saw a lot of people calling this AEW's best pay-per-view after the fact, but I think people have said that after every single AEW pay-per-view, um, <laughs> which, you know, if nothing else kind of signifies that they've sort of taken over uh, the place that uh, NXT takeovers used to have for a lot of wrestling fans. Um, only instead of, like, five matches, you're getting, like, 25 matches uh, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of matches yeah, and yeah they all feel like
0: they last forever
1: yeah they all do and in some ways that's good and in some ways that's bad yeah. um you know but yeah there was a lot of variety on this and I think that that was that was to its credit though I do think that that also meant that there was a fair amount of uh, a kind of dead space um like We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later, I'm sure, because I, I agree very much with one of my writers, uh, Joseph Anthony Montesilio, about uh, kind of the hill that Moxley and Danielson in particular had to climb in order to get fans into their match.
0: Mm. No, you're not wrong. I, I, I agree with you. Like, there's a lot of variety on this show, um, like most AEW shows have, you know, but at the same time, that does create those those spaces where you're just not going to be interested in something that's going on, whether it's because the style of match doesn't necessarily translate to what you come to pro wrestling for, or they're just feuds or people that you just have no interest in. There were definitely a couple of matches on, on this show for me that, that had that uh, effect. I think like, where I just, I was tuning out and just kind of waiting for it. Like, okay, like just get this one done so we can get to the thing that I am interested in seeing. Um, but I think that just, that just kind of comes with that variety approach. I think, like, you're always going to have something like that, um, at least to some extent, of the audience that is not going to invest in something, which I know can be frustrating depending on what that lack of investment is. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like, at least there's something there for everyone to, to kind of grab onto. Um, oh, for sure.
1: Like, yeah. That's that's something like I've kind of been thinking about this a lot lately. Um, when it comes to uh, like Danhausen, uh, mm. you know, who's like a recent signee to AEW, who you know, depending on who you speak to, is either the greatest thing that's ever happened to wrestling, or is single-handedly going to destroy it and wipe the entire art form off the face of the earth uh, <laughs> and salt that earth so that no one remembers its history. Like no one will know who Carl Gotch was because of Danhausen. Um, and like I I had written something before um, Dynamite uh, about how, you know, this is going to be a lot louder than most because Jim Ross, like the lead commentator in AEW, is almost vocally (laughs) despondent about the presence of this man, (laughs) Uh, and, you know, during the show, like during Dynamite, he was like, you know, uh, I don't get his whole deal, but people care about him, and that's what matters, and I was like, perfect thank you like that's that's the whole thing like that's that's aew's ethos in a nutshell like there are things that everyone wants to see like when when danielson initially proposed to moxley that they team up all of the commentators were like we need this to happen even though it would mean that moxley was turning heel <laughs> um, <laughs> like they were rooting for him to to, to break that essentially um like but then there's stuff like you know like uh Danhausen or Orange Cassidy or uh you know even someone like Colt Cabana who's been doing the same wrestling match for 12 years now um <laughs> you know god bless uh <laughs> and like people either like or dislike those people i don't like danhausen i do like orange cassidy like people are you know they, they choose and pick and choose that kind of thing. But variety is, is what AEW goes for. I think that that's where they see their money in. Um, they, much better than WWE, have kind of realized that making content in 2022 means focusing on micro niches. Um, so if you can pull as many of those as possible, like, you know, say in a match like uh, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara and Sting versus the Andrade Hardy family office, where you have ww nostalgia for matt hardy wcw nostalgia for uh you know uh sting like a bunch of twinks uh <laughs> all up and down <laughs> that match uh you have skateboard culture you have uh whatever sammy guevara is into uh writing things on on cardboard um you know you have uh lucha libre you have african-american wrestlers in there like you have so many different targeted micro niches that are meant to appeal to a bunch of different people. And whether or not anyone wants to ascribe to being in a micro niche, because it's not always nice to be in there, like it's not great for me personally to uh, have my queerness uh, translated into like a marketable category. Uh, and, you know, I know that that would be the same for many African American people or Mexican people or anyone. Uh, along those lines like that is what they're doing and they're doing a very very good job of it um, and this card I think is, is proof of that
0: no I definitely agree and I think that it's working on on many different facets in, in that way and I think that's why they continue to gain as much praise as they do um, from from a lot of different places I even just the same as all the criticisms keeps coming as well, um, which there are plenty of worthy ones there. Um, I guess let's just kind of get into the show a bit. Obviously, kick off with the buy-in. Um, I'm I'm going to ask the question I always ask, like, did, did you watch any of the buy-in?
1: No, it was a four-hour show to start with. <laughs> and adding a fit, like... You know, there's like, I don't know, 18 waking hours in a day and putting four into wrestling is kind of a lot. Um, I am interested in seeing uh, Hirsch and Statlander and Hook and QT, uh, though I'm pretty sure that if I just visualized how a Hook versus QT match went, I would accurately have it. Like, you know, QT gets like one segment and Hook gets a bunch of suplexes in the uh, the red Rum and that's it like you know hers versus statlander is actually very interesting um so you know maybe i'll go back and watch that but i just didn't have a chance i, I showed up late to my own house to watch it <laughs> no
0: i mean i didn't watch it day of like i went back and watched it myself just because i i wanted to see Hirsch and statlander um and and that really was the, the main match i wanted to see on the buy-in but like yeah it was okay like Hirsch and Statlander was was fine. It's good to see Layla Hirsch continuing to lean into the heelness there a bit. Um, uh, And then, like I think you spot on, hit hook and QT. Like that's basically what a hook match is right now, and it's going to be that way for a while as he continues to kind of just get reps. I think doesn't make it any less exciting personally. Like I think hook's still fun. He's still a very very fun topic. oh no he's he's
1: amazing he's got so yeah. much presence yeah oh my god um, yes <laughs> yeah he's got the same he has honestly he has like it's different it's it's extremely different but he has like you can compare his his sense of himself to the sense of himself that Taz had at the height of Taz's powers in like 96 97 like that dude knows who and what he is and he knows that who and what he is is exactly what the fans want to see and he delivers every single time he goes out um did any spooky stuff happen during the house of the black match
0: um i i guess uh in terms of spooky i mean buddy matthews has his own antler mask now so
1: i don't that. think that you invite a dude named buddy into your satan cult <laughs> <laughs> i really don't i hear Wait. that alex alex abrahante's uh I mean, I know this now because I saw him on, on Dynamite, but he is in a, a very strange uh, kink costume. Yep, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like the sort of thing that would see him uh, like relegated to the corner of the uh, the dungeon.
0: <laughs> it very much is that, but also I love how much fun both he and Penta seem to be having like delving back into this like, Tend to dark like persona stuff yeah like i love that they're just having fun with it and like it's just it's they it's like they know that there's the goofiness factor to it but they're just leaning full force into it and it's yeah awesome.
1: and i will Have say they started it, breaking arms yet
0: not yet not yet mm. i'm eagerly awaiting when when they start breaking arms again um i was also like a very um, like pleasantly surprised by Eric Redbeard in that match. Um, I think he had a really good showing. I don't know if you know this is a one and done for him in AEW. I mean, I, it. Who knows? But if it was like he had a pretty good outing so far on on this show, and you know maybe it'll translate to. How, I don't know. I really don't know how much he wants to stay in pro wrestling because he doesn't do a lot of indie stuff to my knowledge, like he's very like selective with what he does on, on the independence. So
1: in fairness, there's not a lot of indie stuff that's paying the kind of wage that an ex WWE guy would want. That is very of true. GCW. And he doesn't fit the GCW mold. GCW is not looking for a talented big guy. Um, yeah. because he is a talented big guy. He's talented in a different way than Brody Lee was. Um, but you know, like if you took Kane and made Kane not suck, uh you've got Eric Redbeard, like, and he's he's totally fine. I think he would fit better with Dark Order. Um, but I don't know what they're doing with Dark Order. I I never know what they're doing with Dark Order anymore. I mean, it's
0: it's all very just kind of like spur of the moment, I feel like, anytime they do something with Dark Order right now. But yeah. but no, I like it would the fit would be perfect considering the relationship with Brody. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens if. Eric Redbeard like sticks around or if he shows back up again but either way it was a good match House of Black goes over another like missed in the face finish which is fine you know but I don't know the match was good it was well worked it's just like you know not much story to it per se but it was it was a fun way to close out the buy-in and kind of get hyped up a bit heading into uh the the pay-per-view proper um which kicked off with Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. Uh, I I think I'm with you in that like I did not want to see Eddie Kingston pair with Chris Jericho because Eddie Kingston deserves so much fucking better. But through the build and through just the sheer power of Eddie Kingston's voice and his mind and his promo work as well as Santana and Ortiz and a lot of the the teasing of dissension that finally came to fruition with the inner circle on dynamite on wednesday we got a match that actually had a big feel to it and like with this overarching story of you know eddie kingston not being able to win on pay-per-view not winning the big one that sort of thing um and i love that they just opened this match up by dumping chris jericho on his neck and continuing that (laughs) that whole thing throughout and then Eddie getting the victory with the stretch palm as opposed to the back fist. I felt like it was just, just a little bit more added onto like the, the emphasis of, of what that, that whim was going to be. Um, how did you feel about the match? We can get into the post-match stuff a little bit afterwards, but how did you feel about the match personally?
1: This is the best wrestling match of the year.
0: <laughs> I, had, I had a feeling that was going to be your reaction. <laughs>
1: It's the best wrestling match of the year. I mean, like, so the whole Chris Jericho thing is, you know, he's an old man by wrestling standards at this point. Like I feel like wrestling prime has moved further out from where it was because like a wrestler's prime used to be his late twenties and now it's his mid thirties. Um, you know, that's different for women because of sexism. Um, but, uh, now that it's in like the mid 30s like you have a longer period of time in which it takes for someone to become washed and chris jericho is really one of the the few wrestlers that has like made it from the era where like your prime is when you're 29 to your prime is when you're like 38 39 like whatever so like he has moved from like I, I almost feel like more than being a chameleon with his gimmicks because in all honesty most of his gimmicks are pretty similar yeah um, you know like I'm the Chris Jericho of 1999 but I'm wearing a sparkly vest now like that's not a reinvention um, <laughs> but like more than anything like Jericho has been able to kind of like ride the wave of like people's expected Like, you know, it's the same as someone like Rey Mysterio, who has never fallen off like that dude has been greatest of all time level for his entire career, like since he was 14 to now. Um, Like he's he's astonishing, but like Jericho has been able to kind of hide out in like the mid card at times where it didn't seem like he was doing super hot, then he rises up to world title level and then he goes back down and then he rises back up. And he rose back up to some extent because I didn't really think that his N- NJPW or like early AEW stuff was really all that good. But like he rose up to, you know, legitimate like world title dude status again. And then when he lost it pretty much sank immediately. Like all of his feuds were frankly stupid. Um, it's an amazing uh, testament to how good Orange Cassidy is at what he does, that that mimosa match didn't completely tank him. Um and like that was kind of what I was worried about happening here because like you know here's Kingston challenging Jericho to be his old self and like Jericho doesn't have that in him anymore uh or so I thought like you know I wasn't looking for him to be like a 1995 uh wrestling romance wrestler because you know he was opening card eating pins for Ultimo Dragon Uh, um but you know like I, I I was looking for like the Chris Jericho who like had like a spark in him and he absolutely did like full match like I I swear I have not seen the lion salt look better um than like you know I think I think I said on Twitter that it had the same snap as like a 2001 Raw's war lion salt which is true <laughs> like yeah I there have been lion salts in his in his AEW career where I've been like this dude is about to neck himself and that's you know bad but like this match was extremely well worked it was very well thought out I I think that this might be the first time. I could be wrong. Uh, where like the Judas effect, like missing was essentially like the kill shot, which is how it should be. Like you're throwing a blind rolling elbow at somebody. If you miss it, like you're you're done. Like you can get your hands up, but you're gonna get conked on the back of the head with something. And he got hit with two back fists and then put in the stretch plum. I thought that was fantastic, um, because it forced Jericho to to admit defeat even though he didn't shake his hand. And I thought that that was a brilliant inversion of the last three major Eddie Kingston losses where, you know, Danielson and Punk, or it might just be the last two, but Danielson and Punk would put their hand out to uh, Kingston, or Moxley did too. Um, Like they all wanted to shake, you know, Kingston's hand in respect and Kingston walked out of the ring. Instead of that being the case, you know, Jericho is the one who walks out. And I thought that that was like a really, really well done uh inversion of uh Kingston's story at this point even though nobody has mentioned it for reasons I don't understand
0: (laughs) (laughs) no like it's it's that aspect of it is definitely noticeable um the other thing when it came to the handshake stuff that that kind of conjured up in my mind um was whenever Eddie made his like one comment on uh Cesaro or, or Claudio uh exit from WWE um, alluding back to the Chikara feud and how important like, the handshake kind of loomed over that whole thing um, I don't know it, it feels like a through line throughout the entirety of Eddie Kingston's career when it comes to handshakes as a like, uh, symbol of, of respect and these sort of things and just the idea of respect between uh between opponents and that sort of thing and and earning such and it's just it it adds so much depth to what i originally thought was just going to be a um a placeholder A, a good placeholder because eddie kingston was there but like you said like jericho showed up for this
1: um he was great he yeah like, you cannot deny how good he was like i i will not say that he wrestled like a younger man because i think that, oh, that no. kind of shit's stupid yeah. um like i i think like he wrestled like the the best version of his however old he is 53 year old self um you can throw in spark you can throw an allusion to to the way that things were but like that dude knew he had to show up and he he absolutely did like he you know I don't I don't feel like he took anything away from, from Eddie Kingston. Like I feel like he put everything he had into making Kingston look like a star. Yeah. Which isn't even necessary. He's already a star.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. And I I think obviously this is continuing based off of what we saw on Dynamite. So who knows what the what this view is gonna hold going forward. I hate the name the Jericho Appreciation Society.
1: I hate it so much. Yeah, it doesn't even have a cool acronym. No, jazz. Um, jazz. <laughs> <laughs> jazz. Uh, yeah. I I don't know where that's going. And honestly, like, uh, I was like, uh, it kind of sucks that Brian Danielson was talking about having someone like Daniel Garcia in his little club. And instead, Daniel Garcia is going to be like, I love Chris Jericho. Everything I do is for Chris Jericho. But, you, like, it's, it's good turnaround. Like, those guys had faded out of that feud the minute that it became clear that Eddie and Jericho were going to have to have some beef before it continued. So for this to be the continuation of it is fine. The inner circle had to break up. Uh, yeah. You know, Jake Hager apparently still needs to be employed, so he's kicking around. Uh, um I I thought that they made Sammy Guevara look like a total coward uh by like staying in the back and not doing anything like his whole like "Eh, I left the inner circle before and I'll do it again like awesome so you have zero uh you don't care about anything except for yourself so far as it's concerned why should I cheer for you like you're the worst baby face um (laughs) And you have nothing going for you other than that, so like you know. But yeah, I I think it'll be interesting to kind of see where that goes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Time will tell, as all things of wrestling do. Um, but we can move on to our next match, which was the three way for the AEW t- uh, World Tag Team Titles: uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy defending against the Young Bucks and Red Dragon. <sighs> okay. I this match did not work for me at all from a storytelling perspective yes like they are all very good athletes They the, the athleticism in this match is like outstanding like they do moves very very well they do flippy stuff very very well I'm not taking anything away from any of the six people in this match for that but in terms of like advancing any kind of story or enhancing this with any kind of story the whole thing was built around the tension between Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. It was all around this Bullet Club, Undisputed Era, like, back and forth. And to me, all of that overshadowed your champions in this match. All of this kind of overshadowed a lot of that. I know, like, the finish and, you know, giving Jungle Boy and Luch- Luchasaurus as much as they did in that match was, I felt like, was kind of meant to counterbalance a lot of that stuff. But at the end of the day, like it just felt like this was needlessly complicated um, by a storyline that is honestly uninteresting to me, at least in the context of what this match was trying to do. Like if you just gave me Young Bucks and Red Dragon to get like going at it in a, in a tag team match, I could probably get into that more so than this. Because honestly, the whole time I'm watching this match, I just feel like y'all are just short shifting Jurassic Express like it, the entire time
1: yeah not every title needs to be defended on the pay-per-view like this could have been a tag team title eliminator match or something like that like whatever they want to call it yeah um and then have it be you know 20 minutes of the two people i i think that this this match suffered because it followed something that nobody was expecting to be as good as what it was that too Um, yes like you know that was like an emotional like you know, not a roller coaster, but like by the end of it, like you're, you're pretty spent, you know, like anything that comes after that and it doesn't matter what it is would have been the cooldown match. Um, and frankly, that's kind of the situation that, that the tag team division gets stuck in a lot. Um, my thing about the tag team division is that they are far and away the most talented tag team division in wrestling. Uh, and perhaps one of the most talented tag team divisions in the history of wrestling and I don't like any of the tag teams that matter. Like I don't like <laughs> Jurassic express. Like I thought red dragon was great in ring of honor, but so far they're just, you know, kind of goons. And I, you know, I, I think the young bucks are fine, but like, I haven't really seen a young bucks match outside of that cage match against uh Lucha brothers. That's like really made me think like these dudes are, you know, still a number one. Like I'm not a huge FTR fan. Um, I, I think that the, the acclaimed are still developing like i don't think that they're like a, a world title status like thing yet so like it's really difficult for me to to watch a aew tag team title match and like really be interested in it beyond like okay here's where the division is going and the problem is the division is going in the same direction that it that it was going when this match happened like nothing is really resolved really cool spot uh that i think what was it like a, a turnbuckle hurricane Rana into a like a german suplex yeah um i've never seen like obviously i've never seen that before because it's never been done before like that's fucking ridiculous like that is totally insane and like you know i i think i said to someone uh who like said that they weren't so much in the luchasaurus which i'm not either um like you know but like jack jungle jungle boy is like really great and i was like yeah i think jungle boy is like two years away from from like really really being like an undeniable like singles star like you you cannot keep him in this tag team forever there's no way um and that's a problem <laughs> when it comes to having them as your tag team champions <laughs> and it's like i can get the same four moves from luchasaurus but i'm always going to get something different from jungle boy and he's like you know i think jim ross noted that like he's he's bulking up like he's he's gaining weight like he's starting to look more and more like a you know, wrestler who's entering the prime years of his life, sort of thing. It's like, yeah, no, he is. And, you know, this this stalwart part of the of the tag team division, which frankly isn't interesting because as you said, they get overshadowed, which also happens to hangman page a fair amount. Like they get yeah. overshadowed by their by their challenger or whatever. Um it can't last forever. And and frankly it shouldn't because like, you know, they're they're a feel-good win, kind of, even though they beat another face team, uh, and you know, uh, Ray Phoenix's arm was totally destroyed in the process. Um, but you know, it's it's just, I don't care. Baltimore is cool. I like that band. Uh, I'm glad they're getting paid, but otherwise, it's just, you know, it's filler. I I I really didn't care about this.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I I'm glad you highlighted the the uh, Moon German suplex spot. Like that was a dope one. The other one that stood out to me was the, the, uh, the like triple double down sequence that that they pulled as well. Just like, just all of the machinations of that coming together and snapping into place the way that they did. Just, it was really impressive to me there. But on the whole, yeah, just this one didn't do it for me either. And yeah, I'm, I'm curious to ask since you mentioned like the tag teams that you are interested in aren't the ones that are that, you know, matter the ones that matter in terms of like where AW is positioning things right now in the tag team division. Who are the teams that 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 do it for you right now in AW? Well,
1: that's a good question because I don't I don't think that I I said that there were tag teams that I. <laughs> 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 I think uh, you know obviously uh, this Moxley Danielson thing is going to be one. Uh, yeah. Two I'm like kind of kind of interested in a little bit. Um, as much as it like pains me to say it, uh, Darby, Allen and Sting is the tag team that I'm interested in, just because I think that that's going to be my only opportunity to have Sting win a championship in this company before he like finally calls it. Um, and, you know, he's he's really he and Darby are great because he takes a lot of pressure off of Sting to have to wrestle a singles match, which he's never done uh i think that uh the gun club is a great tag team in like an old school sort of way like that's the thing like all of the teams that i would like are teams that are doing stuff in kind of an old fashioned like old timey sort of like early 90s kind of tag team wrestling way where it's like they're not like the the emphasis is on cutting the ring off like um which is funny that i don't really dig ftr um but like I think that they're trying too hard at it (laughs) like like you know like they're 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 they are one step away from like pulling the baby face back into the corner and shouting we're cutting the ring in two or something (laughs) like that you know like always um but yeah I don't know like I think I think that like um Phoenix and Penta when they're together are are astonishing, even though, honestly, I prefer both of them as singles wrestlers. Like, it's a weird thing. Like, I I think that the thing that AEW has been working with and against is the fact that their primary opposition has done everything in their power to devalue tag team wrestling over the last 15 to 20 years. Um, so you have all of these tag teams that like are clearly very good and clearly matter. But when the story fades away, you know, Jurassic Express has to defend against like the fucking varsity blondes. Um, And if anyone says that they care about them, they are pretending Uh, like they're not a good tag team. And like, I would say that the best wrestler amongst the three is Julia Hart. Um, Like, I don't like either of them. And maybe that's mean of me to say, but, um, you know, there's there's talent up and down and i can get into whatever like i thought that jungle express and the acclaimed had a perfectly fine match um but like i said like i don't think that the acclaimed are there yet like i think that they're close (laughs) um but like you know maybe six months from now because they get a lot of matches on dark and elevation um and you know they are getting their reps up and you know their characters are there like everything is fine like um so I think that like so far as like fringe teams are concerned, they're probably my favorite. But I would like for them to actually pull the trigger on Sting and Darby Allen before too long. And I know that when we actually talk about that match, you're going to have to go into the the disclaimer about Darby, and I fully understand that. Um, I just I just want my man to to win the title. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I under I understand. I I want Sting to have gold again too before before he finally hangs it up for real for real. So. But we'll we'll see there. I am very curious to see once because now that Darius Martin is back, I am very curious to see oh, what they do with Top Flight. Top Flight's yeah. the, the one team that I'm like most excited about now that Darius is back to see what they do based off of like what they've done with Dante since Darius has been out with injury. And and that both of them together are just my God, the, the how explosive they are.
1: Yeah. If they ever put together a Team Taz tag team, I'd be interested in whoever that is. Like, if it's Hook and Powerhouse, I think that that would be great. That would be a lot of fun. Um, Top Flight is going to be interesting because they did so much with Dante as a singles wrestler uh, while Darius was out. Like, that's going to be an interesting push-pull because um, Dante had a world title shot on on Dynamite on Wednesday, so.
0: Yeah, no, it's it feels like a, a very, like, in line to walk when it comes to that but I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with it going forward especially since like you know they, they gave Darius that spot in the Casino Royale uh, the the Battle Royale tag team qualifier whatever yeah, how many yeah. different words we can cram into this thing um, on Dynamite ahead of the show so it seems like they, they are maybe like positioning a bit more there but we'll see we'll see um, I, just, I just want Top Flight to do all of the good things because I love Top Flight um but you mentioned powerhouse hobbs that ties that goes into our next match perhaps the meatiest ladder match ever um
1: (laughs) if only it had felt that way
0: (laughs) i know god i know they really did not do enough with what they what what they built in that i
1: think what I proposed was that Wardlow should power bomb a ladder onto someone until the ladder broke. God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like... All right. So it's like Wardlow defeating Christian Cage, Keith Lee, Orange, Casty, Powerhouse, Hobbs, and Ricky Starks for the Sonic the Hedgehog ring to determine the number one contendership for the TNT title.
0: Green Hill Zone and, all day.
1: And I can tell you two things about this match. And the first is that Wardlow won. Uh, and that was great because Wardlow should have absolutely 100% won. And the other is that Orange Cassidy doing a pull-up on the ladder that was being held up in the air by two other gigantic men uh, and nearly catching the ring before they shook it and he crushed himself was one of the best spots of the night. Like, it was really good. I, I have said this on this program before. I hate ladder matches. Yeah. I do not enjoy them. I, like... I don't think they're good. I think that they're too risky. I think that having six people in the ring doing a bunch of like spots, uh, that no one's really going to remember because like nobody shows highlights from these ladder matches ever, like ever. Um, we're told that they're like memorable moments that like no one will ever forget, and like that was true in two thousand one at like WrestleMania X seven, but since then there's been such a prolifer- proliferation of ladder matches. That you've seen every version of a Swanton bomb off the top. You've seen every version of a moonsault. You've seen every power bomb possible. Oh, that's the third spot that I remember is Wardlow like nearly killing Ricky Star.
0: Oh god, yes. <laughs> Jesus.
1: Uh that 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 got me to jump out of my seat. Um but you know, like who remembers uh, like when Sin Cara was like power bombed onto a ladder or something like one of the wooden ladders that was meant to break, but it didn't break. So he broke his arm on it. Like people don't remember that kind of thing. Um, I do. Cause I'm a weirdo, but like <laughs> it never, it never comes up again because the, the crux of a ladder match is the point at the end. Like the, it is, it is grabbing the thing and coming down with it and everything else that happened before that isn't even story because Like, uh, Ricky Starks isn't going to have anything to do with Wardlow's match against Scorpio Sky next week. Nothing whatsoever. Like, it's just a thing that happened. Um, And that sucks. Like, I don't think that Wardlow brought up the ladder match uh, during his promo about winning the ladder match. Like, I don't think that came up. Like, MJF did. Um, And like, the idea of MJF being like the better man or something like that um but the latter match itself like it's gone already like it's a it's a figment of, of imagination and were there some cool things that happened in it yeah for sure um but you know i i think that it kind of sucks that six dudes put in a ton of effort for something that wrestling has not figured out how to actually make live on an in infamy because none of it reaches the level of TLC2 at WrestleMania X7 like it's just a, a thing I've always hated about ladder matches.
0: No, and I and I think that if your goal is to like do that to, to go beyond or or reach like this this seminal level that TLC2 did, like I think that's the wrong goal to have when it comes yeah, to these sort of it. matches. Yeah, cuz you can't. Like you're never going to top the thing that astounded people the first time around. And but if that's you where do- we go,
1: huh? That's like that's where every that's what everyone tries to do though. Like, I know, you know,
0: yeah.
1: Like young bucks ladder matches, like the ladder wars in Ring of Honor or whatever. Like those those have a reputation as being totally insane, and they're less seen because they were in Ring of Honor. But like, frankly, I'm surprised that ladder matches haven't regressed. Not regressed. That's the wrong word to it. But like, gone more towards like the side of the spectrum where like Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon were on. Where it's like you're working towards these spectacular spots and not working towards them in the sense that you're making like Lego sets out of like 15 ladders that are around the ring. Like, you know, actual like strategy or big chances taken, like taking it kind of in the same direction as like, you know, the match that we'll be talking about in just a little bit. Like the uh, dog collar match, which like is worked (laughs) the way it was worked in 1985 and you can add different stuff to it and it makes it better or it adds the pop to it or it adds a flourish. Not necessarily better, different. But it's the same match. And there's been some of that. Like there's been some lighter matches between people that aren't, you know, crazy high flyer type dudes. But yeah, like, I don't know. That's just, that's not the point for me. I, I wish that there was like something else. Like if I never saw another six-person ladder match again or if i never saw another battle royale that wasn't royal rumble style again i'd be thrilled i'd be so happy (laughs) um
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i i feel you i feel like the 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 multi-person ladder match has really caused that luster to be taken off of it because i still feel i feel like whenever you have just like a one-on-one ladder match as rare as those are now like you
1: have the ability to sammy
0: Cody versus Sammy, like, was I think that was a lot better than what you got in this match because you have, you don't have as much clutter around. You don't have as many, like, mouths to feed per se in in that. And you have an ability to actually, like, craft something that can tell a story while also doing some of the more extreme elements that you want from a ladder match, some of the more, like, death defying stuff here and there. It also kind of gives you a chance to work the many different ways that we've seen a ladder match work in, within the same thing. Lord. But I don't know. I, I Obviously, these matches are exciting to watch. They also are probably the matches that I uh, like shield my eyes from the most because of what happens in them and, and just for fear of the people in the match, uh, their safety which of course we got with Orange Cassidy injuring his shoulder coming out of this after being just completely yeeted by Keith Lee um in a amazing looking spot but clearly overshot where the catch was supposed to happen um, there a bit um but I don't know the match itself I what worked for me I really liked all of Orange Cassidy's spots like I feel like his utilization in this was was well done. I like the pull up spot. Him like basically climbing the, the man mountain to try and grab the the belt at the beginning was also really really good. <laughs>
1: man <laughs>
0: <mountain>. <laughs> But I also felt like Orange Cassidy and the way they utilized him kind of um, robbed a lot of us of what of what the a lot of the talk and buzz around this match into was going to be because he seemed like anytime you had the three way stare down with Wardlow. Hobbs, and Keith Lee, um, you had Orange Cassidy inserting himself in there um, in a way that, you know, it worked in terms of like what Orange Cassidy is, but at the same time, we never got the payoff to to that. Um, I guess unless you want to count uh, getting Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs getting thrown off of the the announce area as a payoff, which I don't. Um, So, like, in all of that, like, it just... It was a fun match. I'm glad Wardlow won. He's, he deserved to win that match. I think that, he, that that's the obvious route you go, especially considering what we saw later in the night. And yeah, that's really where it begins and ends. They have to find something different than the Sonic Ring. I love, to, I love like the, the, the laughter that the Sonic Ring induces, but at the same time, you've got you've to find something that's less, that's less goofy to to put up
1: there. Yeah, it doesn't help that it's also just a dumb WWE joke. Yeah. Like that feels like a Cody Rhodes joke.
0: It I mean, yes, yeah, so that's basically what it is.
1: I don't know. It it's just they can't do a briefcase.
0: No. They can't. Thank
1: God. Briefcase is the worst thing wrestlers have to carry from IRS to Money in the Bank ladder match winners to Steve Mongo McMichaels to whatever people have to win briefcases for new japan g1 climax yeah like u.s title number one contenders like all that stuff it's bad who wants a briefcase you're a wrestler god damn it (laughs) 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 yeah the the sonic ring has to go because it's it's huge and it's goofy as fuck and i think that when people started making fun of them for it last year they kind of took it as like a point of pride where it's like oh you think this is dumb we're gonna stick with it this is our thing now is the sonic the hedgehog ring
0: god I just put an envelope in a Ziploc bag
1: and put that up there. Honestly, just put an envelope. Yeah, like when they used to like, like when it was like a number one contendership ladder match or whatever, there'd just be a clipboard with a contract. Yes,
0: give me the <laughs> give me the TNA Impact clipboard. Damn it!
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: no, I don't know. The it ultimate. was Yeah, it, it's it's oh God. It's just so dumb. Anyway, we'll move on. From that one, Wardlow, TNT champion, hopefully soon. I don't know if it's going to happen this time around, based off of what happened on Dynamite, but we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but that, you know, this show obviously LGBT. Right? We talk about LGBT topics. Our next match, uh, I think, <laughs> gave us the gave a lot of people a reason to start throw it out the gay word for a minute
1: the gay word
0: (laughs) (laughs) the gay word jay cargill ty conti tbs championship sealed with a kiss god okay i liked this match it was fun for for what it was i thought jade looked really good jade continues to look good um as she keeps progressing and i think Ty was a perfect opponent for her heading into this. Jade's uh Mortal Kombat Jade look was was great, solid. Um, I like Ty's war paint. <laughs> uh and honestly, like the match overall was just it was fine. It was a short, like seven-minute thing. More, no, nothing more than it needed to be. Jade looks dominant, gets the win, and we just keep going down the road of Jade Cargill's. Undefeated streak. I did find it interesting that they had the big graphic on the screen for Jade's like 29
1: 0. Oh, they've been doing streak. that for a while now.
0: Yeah. It's, it always just strikes me as like too much pomp. I don't know. Yeah, they didn't know.
1: do that. They didn't do that for Goldberg.
0: It definitely did not do that for Goldberg. It just, it just always makes me think about the way that WWE treated Undertaker's streak in in those later years
1: i was there i was there when it went to what was it 21 and one 22 and one yeah i saw whatever. brock lesnar beat him yeah into, into concussion <laughs> land oh. <Odd>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the worst province um well uh i guess talk to me a little bit about like this match for you how did how did jade and ty uh land with you
1: this is what I'm going to say about a match featuring the best wrestler in the world, Tai Conte. <laughs> uh, I love her so much. Uh, this was the shortest, second shortest match on the card overall, which means that it was one of a few that did not overstay its welcome, Yeah, <laughs> um, which means it was pretty much great. Uh, I thought that it was awesome. I thought that they did a good job of protecting Tai uh, while also like making Jade like the, the focus of this um, going forward. I think unlike the problem that they have with the main women's championship oh i guess the other good thing about this is that this is the rare uh pay-per-view i think that has had two women's matches on the on the main card usually they shunt one off onto the the pre-show yeah um but instead they had one on the pre-show naturally and then had two championship matches so <laughs> that's progress baby that's hashtag progress um like i didn't i didn't care too much about the kissing like i thought it was fine it was cool like yeah, was, everyone else wants to make a big deal about some kissing, and that's okay by <laughs> me but uh um. it was fun. it
0: was fun it was fine it was I just, yeah it's just one of those things just like people just I've seen, running with that it's just like i've
1: seen okay. dudes do it in mma right like they're, yeah. they're like oh like we just weighed in and now we're staring at each other And now that we know how much each other weighs we can go kiss <laughs> 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 whether or not you want it <laughs> um, <laughs> like that's how it works i'm pronouncing kiss like dusty roads <laughs> do it I, that <laughs> um, I, that's that's it's gonna
0: live in my brain
1: now so so yeah there wasn't really there's not a whole lot to talk about with this which is completely fine like You know, Ty and Nana J are are both kind of, like, upper-tier women's card stuff. Like, they get slotted in where they need to. And honestly, those two are a fantastic argument for, like, you know, AEW continuing the march towards actual, like, you know, kind of sort of gender parity by maybe launching a tag team championship in the women's division. Mm -hmm.
2: Uh,
1: But, you know, that would force them to think about more than... Well, they actually have four. They had four women's programs going on into this between Layla and Chris and uh, Jade and, and Ty and uh, Brit and Thunder and uh, Sheeta and um, Serena Deeb, like they've been doing, frankly, a pretty good job um, lately of, of booking women's matches. And I think that having one at this level... Um, It didn't do either woman wrong. It continues Jade's thing. It forces uh tie into a different thing. I hope that she doesn't become Sammy's girlfriend uh on a semi permanent basis on television the way that Dynamite hinted at her maybe becoming. Um, I would have preferred that to have been an annoying thing that occasionally uh, shows up in my timeline, but you know (laughs) beggars can't be choosers.
0: Yeah, I I. Did notice that probably the main thing I noticed coming out of this match was how much more like collected Ty looked on this stage. Because I think you know, last time we talked about Ty was when she was facing she
1: nervous, yeah, <laughs>
0: facing Brit at uh, at full gear, and there was a lot of nerves, there was a lot of like apprehension on her face in that match. And she looked like she was home, she was in this moment and owned it in a way that she didn't with, with the Brit match, and that honestly is, is awesome to see and, that, and, and it speaks to like her continued development as well
1: yeah i forget who she's been working with oh she's been working with brian danielson um yeah i think if so. i remember yeah. correctly that makes sense so yeah like you know and and sammy obviously um yeah but um like the the crazy face that she does and like the frankly bad moonsault that she shouldn't do (laughs) (laughs) tributes (laughs) to him but uh but yeah I think that I think that she's been working with with the right people um and she has the skill set like in general and you know I imagine that the way that she trains now is so different than the way that she trained when she was in the performance center so um you know she's great like I I I, when I call her the best in the world like it's kind of kind of a joke but also at the same time like she does a lot of things that make me extremely excited like I think that she has like one of those the like a momentum run that's like as good as as you know Daniel Bryan's in WWE like when he would do like the drop kicks in the corner a bunch like the pump kick thing like it's so good like she's she's great she's fun to watch like And I I think that, you know, like everyone else that we've kind of talked about being like, you know, close, but not quite there. Like she is close. She's very, very close. Like, I think that they're putting her in positions like this a little bit soon, but you could also argue the same for Jade Cargill. Yeah. Jade has responded well to the pressure. Ty is starting to you know, I think that the AEW women's division has always been a very interesting roster. I think that very, very soon you're going to be able to talk about it in terms of it being one of the most talented as well.
0: Yeah. Like it, it's, it's good to see the the continued development there and to see the the widening of, of actually like how many different programs and, and the different kinds of programs that, the, that you can do with that division. Cause you know, for the longest time there have been criticisms against the company for for how they've handled it and i don't know i'm not going to go so far as to say that they are responding to that but you know they are there's definitely work being done to make the women's division more prominent and have more of a place uh, on programming going forward
1: yeah i think Um, they care a little bit more yeah
0: You can find them on Twitter at STSW band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code, LGBTRingPod, or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod, or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT. Check out that service. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGBT Ringpod. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderBoyOTM. And if you're into video games, definitely check out my video game news show, the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co-host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merowyn every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. And that's gonna bring us to the dog collar match. Yeah. CM Punk MJF. (sighs) I'm I'm gonna go ahead and call it. This is my match of the night, personally. Um just from the very beginning, obviously. Like this match, the presentation of it, the way it was worked, the entrances, all of the history that was like compounded into this feud, all paying off in this bloody, bloody affair um, was a a thing of beauty to me. Like it was just, it was just so, so good. Um, Obviously, I I do want to ask you about. The CM Punk entrance, obviously. But before we get there, I want to go back to like the build of this because the the MJF promo um, that 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 he um, I'm not even going to call it a promo. It was like because that that was a very very real thing for him to talk about there, and it so much so that it bothered me that people continued to boo him while he was like doing it, or they're like making their like you're the front row people making their wisecrack jokes in the middle of it. Which I get. You're going to a wrestling show. You don't know what this is going to be, but like,
1: I like. I'm gonna ask this though. Yeah. Were they wrong? Were they wrong to boo him in the end?
0: Not in the end. No, no, not at all. Because that's I think the it, thing. I know. I that, that's why I say I know it's a wrestling show, and like I know that that this is what that this is wrestling. This is what you're supposed to. Well, I mean, he was he
1: was do. weaponizing that terrible thing that happened to him. He, like, he
0: was. He was. I think, but in that moment, it just like it was almost like I wasn't watching a wrestling show for a minute. And that might just be me like, just, you know, like succumbing to the humanity of the moment for myself. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I mean, I was, I was pissed off. Like I will be honest with you. I, that was one of two weeks that I took off of watching wrestling and doing anything relating to my job. And I still haven't gone back and seen that promo in general, Mm -hmm. like my, standard my basic operating understanding of that comes from what I have read about it and what I have published about it um and it sounds like an absolutely phenomenal promo oh and I guess like the week after that where like CM Punk tried to do the thing where it's like if you want to be redeemed like I can I am trying to be that person myself like blah 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 and you know Max kicked him and you know made him bleed a bunch which was awesome super good um that's the promo that turned me on the feud because initially I was like, I don't like the match in Chicago was very good. I thought, and you know, I like there was stuff about it that I thought was great. And there was stuff about it that I thought was like, you know, Max didn't look up to CM punk's level on the mic on a couple of occasions. Punk didn't seem dialed in like the, you know, Manhattan or not Manhattan, the long Island promo was like kind of lazy, like, um, but yeah, like the past three weeks, including what I haven't seen, like I I would agree with you that like had I seen that promo, I would have been like, I can't believe these bastards are talking shit about MJF while he's talking about this horrible experience. How dare they? Yeah. But like at the same time, it's like not that those guys were seeing into the future, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like in kayfabe. What had MJF done to win those people over? Like it's a bad experience. Like it's a it's a horrible experience. It's horrifying. Like I can't imagine going through it. Um, I would not have, you know, talked shit about it. But we also had a very emotional Eddie Kingston promo on Wednesday where people were trying to do what chance during it. So yeah, you know, wrestling fans are gonna wrestling fan. Um and in the end it didn't matter, like that promo going to go down as a legendary promo in the history of AEW and frankly depending on how things go for AEW and it's so weird to say something like that too like it feels like AEW's been around forever but we're in year three (laughs) yeah (laughs) so so like you know depending on how AEW pans out like how far into the future this thing runs like it'll be remembered as a legendary promo in the history of wrestling and I think that this feud is going to have several legendary events that frankly were impossible like cm punk's return last year was impossible cm punk's entrance at revolution that's impossible like that's just straight up impossible like there's no way around it that that could never happen for several reasons the first of which is he quit wrestling and left and was never going to come back the second of which was he never really referenced his ROH career, like, you know, from the moment that he went big time forward, except for when he came back to AEW and talked about how that was when he was a professional wrestler. Um I remember that so well. Um licensing the song, him having the basketball shorts, like him having the hoodie, like the only thing that he didn't have was blonde hair extensions, and you know, that's for the best. Yeah. Like I the minute that it was clear that that's not what we were going to get, like, the cult of personality thing, because, uh, you know, MJF faked out the audience to it, which he did during the Jericho match, too, uh, that he had, like, he had the uh, the fake countdown, <laughs> uh, yeah. the fake Y2J <laughs> countdown. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, you know, once he did it, it was clear that it wasn't just going to be standard operating procedure, but, like, I sincerely was not expecting like everyone wanted it right like everyone who knows about cm punk as an indie wrestler as like someone who wrestled in a dog collar match like as someone who existed before the year 2009 or 2007 or whenever 2007 i think was maybe when he signed I 2005 i don't know 2005 yeah, yeah like anyone who knows anything about cm punk from before he showed up in wwe zcw uh, rip um that had to hit, like, hard. Like, I called Kingston and Jericho my match of the night, and that's true. Um, and I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that it went first. Um But this moment uh, is up there. I mean, like, I have not been shy about calling CM Punk like my favorite wrestler. Um And, you know, my favorite wrestler is a nebulous category that covers a, you know not a ton but like you know brett hart is my favorite wrestler william regal is my favorite wrestler uh you know sushi onita is my favorite wrestler uh, blah 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 like so many favorite wrestlers ray mysterio jr um but like punk is one that like is very very tied he's the reason why i got back into wrestling in the first place like when i saw him wrestle uh i mean ecw one night stand two uh i guess technically brought me back the first one i also saw. Um, But when he debuted on the ECW show, I was like, this guy is different from anything I've ever seen. I had no knowledge of him on the Indies. Um, And I'm sorry that I'm taking up so much time to talk about this. No, you're fine. um, But to see him rise to the success that he had in WWE, fall out of love with it and leave, uh, which I think was about the time that I left wrestling for like the fourth or fifth time, uh, you know, was sad it broke my heart you know like I I understand implicitly what what MJF was feeling uh you know except I'm sure that he also had the thing that I did where eventually like news was released as to all of the shit that was happening and there was the Colt Cabana podcast which you know that went very well yeah uh, for all parties (laughs) um and just you know on and on and on and you learn like kind of like how much this dude was suffering to do something that he thought that he loved And for him to come back, um, like that promo, like the promo at Rampage, like when he came back, um, it's probably the greatest thing I've ever seen in wrestling. And, uh, that entrance at Evolution is definitely up there. Like it is, it is similar. And a lot of that is tied to how much I love CM Punk. Um, but (laughs) I don't know like I, I I, don't know how long that was the plan like I don't know um, you know <laughs> I don't know anything about it except for that like it it was the right time it was the right place and you know when they cut from punk coming out to MJF looking fucking terrified it was like <laughs> yes this is perfect (sighs) this is this is this is wrestling storytelling at its finest like and not everyone got it and the people who didn't were apparently really mad about it but you know like wikipedia is your friend dog um (laughs) like the entrance was perfect i i i think that the match like the only thing that i would say about the match uh that would be like at all negative is that mjf still learn how to do a blade job um (laughs) like you know cm punk uh I always hate talking about how blade jobs work because it can like contribute to like, you know, self-harm narratives or whatever. But yeah. Um, MJF was like poking his forehead and like twisting it. And that's not how you make blood work in pro wrestling. Like that's, you know, you're going to get a trickle or two, but it's not going to look very good. Whereas like CM Punk was like gushing blood. I think that, you know, working at like a 1985 NWA match was perfect for both of them because you know I think to some extent both of them fetishize that style um quite a bit um and yeah I mean it was perfect choice to have punk lose in his hometown before getting revenge in the way that he got it I, I think that the story was perfect I think the only reason uh it's not my match of the night uh is just how fucking surprised I was by Kingston and Jericho
0: Yeah, and I totally understand, like, why that, like, impacts you in that way. Speaking to, speaking to CM Punk, Lord. Speaking to CM Punk, though, like, I think that um, I personally, like, share a lot of those, like, same feelings of connection to Punk that you do. Um, Like, Punk... previous to wwe was like like almost like this mystique figure in a way for because like i knew about the indies at that point but i had no like i didn't know how to get a get ring of honor stuff you know i was i didn't grow up a tape trader i didn't grow up in like dvd markets or anything like that so like i didn't necessarily know how to how to find that stuff so i like i knew about this this figure cm punk but i never really saw it um and so whenever he did show up in wwe like it was the same way that you had something completely different somebody that i can like feel myself connected to in a way uh and following his career like i have had friends that have no interest in pro wrestling and the minute that i introduced them to cm punk they are hooked so much so that like whenever he did come back to AEW um, last year like those I felt like some of those people got sucked back in by it and I my phone blew the fuck up too um, with with people so like it's just that really like seminal connection to, to CM Punk and to see that the company also Played into that in, in the way that they did by by recreating the the Ring of Honor entrance in that was just amazing to see. It was one of the I'm I won't lie like I got a little teary-eyed seeing that because like like you said none of us ever expected to see that entrance ever again in any way shape or form, and it was the perfect um, like accent to what this match was supposed to be. Um, yeah. And I, don't, I have no notes on this match, really. Like, it was just perfect. It was, uh, I, won't, I won't go so far to say perfect. Nothing ever is perfect. But it was near perfect um, in, in terms of what, what you want of a dog collar match. It was the only match that went past 26 minutes on the show. And I did not care how long it lasted. Um, and then you factor in the Wardlow turn at the end. Um, like it, it feeds into feeds into another feud. It feeds into another story coming out of it, but it yeah. doesn't overshadow the story that they're trying to tell as well. And it just yeah. it works so well. Yeah.
1: Well, because there's got to be a rubber match like between Punk and, and MJF, but just not right now. Yeah, like you know now MJF has to figure out why his his super weapon, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the dynamite diamond ring, which only takes one punch. To knock someone out, uh, you know. Even though it's on the pinky finger, um, you know how that how that betrayal happened. But yeah, yeah, I I similarly didn't have any notes on this. I don't have any notes on any of the matches that I I really truly truly enjoyed. Um, I I thought it was great. I like you know. I think that my expectations for this were maybe a little bit less CM Punk dog collar match and more Cody Rhodes Brody Lee dog collar match. Mm -hmm. um but you know it's it's interesting to watch um this company take something that had been frankly kind of disregarded like entirely since the death of wcw like i think they had a dog collar match between jericho and saturn in 1999 and wwe never had one um i don't think they ever had one i might be wrong about that but
0: i can't think of one
1: like, they took this match that, like, was known for its, like, extreme violence, like, and, you know, Ring of Honor has, and maybe TNA has, but... um, TNA definitely
0: has done, like, one or two.
1: Okay. And, like, they're turning it into, like, one of their signature matches, like, along with the Lights Out match, which is also a kind of match that did not exist, like, frankly anywhere, like, uh, with the dawn of you know, the WWF is what it was. Like, that was a territory-era match in um, Sea Lights Out matches too often, and now it's a thing that you can expect to see when things get too rough uh, or when Adam Cole and Orange Cassidy need to blow off a feud. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting, and I, I, I like seeing it. Same, same.
0: I, it, I, I love whenever these things come back and they still have the same spirit as as they did, so... We'll See how whenever the, they break this out again and, and what they do with it, but you know, could like punk and MJF just, just killed it in this match,
1: yeah. I um, it was great,
0: yeah. Well, that leads us to the, the AW World uh, Women's World title match Britt Baker against Thunder Rosa. Um, obviously, a challenge to follow up punk and MJF here, and you know, there was some there was some like slowness coming out of the gate, I think as, as the crowd kind of like recovered and got back into this, but I felt like this match like really turned into something. Um, I don't know if it's, it definitely wasn't deserving of like their lights out match last year, but I think mm-hmm. it was deserving of the feud and, and the, the issue that they have had over the course of the the past year as it keeps like, coming back above water and getting put back down for whatever else Britt Baker has going on. Um, obviously, it sets up for a, a big match in San Antonio for, for Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker having a cage match there for the title. Um, but I don't know. Like, I... I liked the match, but I just wish that it, it had a, a little bit more to it. And I don't know if that is necessarily attributed to some of the the booking in terms of, like, the interference stuff. Interference doesn't always bother me, per se, especially if they make it make sense. But it just, I don't know. There was, it just felt like there was, like, one piece of this, like, missing that didn't completely do it for me. And I can't really put my finger on it.
1: interference bothers me yeah um because it happens in every brit baker title match yeah and it happens the same way and like you know i i joked on twitter where i was like if i were the referee i would simply eject everyone who wasn't supposed to be at ringside from the (laughs) ringside area and it's like i forget who the referee was during the match but like just multiple occasion after multiple occasion after multiple occasion that dude was getting distracted by one or other of the the women on the outside whether it was Jamie or whether it was Rebel and it's like just get rid of them dog like bye bye they're done like <laughs> finished and because they didn't like it was kind of the same Britt Baker playbook thing where it's like oh like the opponent should have won but Britt won because of outside interference like blah 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 and it's like i've i've seen it before like you know that was even i think the point of a thunder rosa promo at one point in time maybe during like the women's championship eliminator or the tnt title one or something i don't know um it's been pointed out on multiple occasions and like before wednesday um like this just kind of had the feeling of like there's nowhere else for the women's title to go now um you know and now now there is because of a rematch which is very very rare though it, it feels like a fair number of rematches are coming out of this pay-per-view, which is like not AEW playbook. Yeah. Um, normally. And like, this is one of them. And I think that their feud has been fine. And I think that the match overall was good. Um, but I think it was too long, uh, which is frankly true of a lot of matches on this card. Um, you know, it's just as true here as it was in the, you know, triple threat tag team match. Um, where it's like tightening it up a little bit would make it meander a little bit less and would maybe give the fans a little bit less time to be tired of it. Um, but, you know, I wasn't disappointed by it. Um, I wasn't expecting, you know, a world beating match out of it to the level of their lights out match. Um, but, you know, I probably not going to think about it much going forward in the future. Like, you know, I hope Wednesday's match is better.
0: Yeah. I also, like, just from a logic point of view, um, it made no sense to me that you know Brit always comes out with a crew. Why is... And Thunder Rosa has, you know, obviously, like, made some form of allegiance with Mercedes Martinez in the very recent past. Why is Mercedes not out there in, in some capacity in that way? Just from, like, a yeah. logic, rather really than from a booking point of view. Like, it just... It plays with that a little bit and maybe that's why it like just didn't like sit right with me. That there was just like this break in, in logic there. But I don't know. It was a good match. Just um not everything that I wanted from it. So yeah, same here. Yeah. Um but speaking of a match that we did get, I think everything that we wanted from it. And more <laughs> in the form of Lord Regal. Fuck it. William is William Regal. I don't care. Yeah. We're not we're not gonna get stupid trademark shit. William Regal.
1: Um, I mean that's what he is in AEW. Is
0: it? I've heard yeah, like a is. bunch of different names, like not a bunch of different names, but I've heard like Lord Regal and I don't know.
1: No, nah, I fans post a lot of different names, like a bunch of cute doofuses, but okay. like the shirts say original villain William Regal on it.
0: Oh, okay. See, I haven't seen the shirt, so okay, that makes sense then. Anyway, John Moxley, Brian Danielson i just go i, I know you got, <laughs> you got thoughts. all
1: right so these two dudes kicked the shit out of each other and it was pretty cool yes. um, <laughs> you know uh that happened for a while maybe 20 or so minutes of of dudes kicking each other as hard as they could suplexing all that sort of thing there was like a you know a reversal sort of uh to a to a submission that got moxley the win at the end and all of that was well and good and the two of them looked like they were going to keep fighting because that's what happens when you got two top dogs in the ring go nuts uh but then out of nowhere comes william regal the best wrestler of all time
0: fuck yes
1: and, and william regal happens to know both of these dudes because it turns out he's been in the wrestling business for a while <laughs> 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 and he's met a lot of guys and these two guys are among them and one of them uh, is Brian Danielson, who is a guy who he's known to the extent that Brian Danielson wore maroon trunks in tribute to William Regal because William Regal gave him a pair of his trunks once because I think Brian Danielson forgot his, maybe. That might be the story, but it doesn't really matter. So that's one friend, dude who does submissions, being a huge fan of another dude who does submissions. Submissions are violent, submissions are dope as shit. And 11 years ago, when both of these Johns look, work for WWE, uh, they met. In nxt before it was like you know real nxt like the the nxt that sucked this was the nxt that was on like cable access in florida <laughs> 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 and and john moxley was like i want to fight william regal because i hear he's really vicious and all this other stuff and it turned out that he was and they fought like three times and all three times it was the best it was so good uh they cut out a bunch of really good promos on each other they bled a bunch and it wasn't quite regal's uh it wasn't quite his retirement as an active in-ring concern because later on he would fight Cesaro in, in NXT as NXT was maturing into whatever it was. Back when it was like a grimy, like, you know, F show filmed in a garage, like William Regal and John Moxley, they fought a bunch. And both of those relationships formed into a kind of mentorship that persisted over the length of their relationships. So you got 15 on one side, 22 on the other. So when a guy that you're friends with for 15 and 22 years comes into the ring and says, don't fucking fight no more, you stop fighting. Yep. <laughs> and, then <when> he, <laughs> and then when he says, y'all are going to be friends now, y'all are going to be friends. <laughs> and that's the story of what happened at aew revolution 2022 uh like you know i i take back everything i said about favorite moments and favorite matches and everything else like you know the cm punk thing did it make me cry yeah uh the eddie kingston thing did it did it you know did it make my heart sore? of course we're fucking regal dude (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wasn't expecting that shit because I thought I seriously thought like okay he's done like he's never going to do it again like he's lost his job at a place that he loved working um that he had worked at for you know 20 years I think like you know yeah if you want to he had a brief stint there in 1999 and came back in 2001 and got released in 2021 so yeah like 20 21 years uh at a company um as like a mentor as an instructor as like a on-screen persona anything that you want to chalk it up to but like as somebody whose hands were very 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 deep into the wrestling business um and who was there in wwe as somebody who loved the wrestling business and when that gets cut off from you sometimes you don't come back like that's just it um you know and he's got a lot of nice suits so i imagine he could find a job elsewhere um you know and a very nice lizard as well he does have a nice lizard. so to see him come back and to see him be so obviously uh, into what he's doing uh, was great. And I'm glad that he's on screen in a telev- like a television capacity. Um, I think that maybe a lot of people um, who have maybe gotten into wrestling you know during the rise of the NXT takeover era are maybe mostly familiar with him for his role as commissioner where he didn't really say or do much. Um, like occasionally he would have a promo where he'd yell the word war games into the microphone and that, that'd that be how you know it was November and NXT. Um, <laughs> but, but, but he is one of the best promos of all time. You will not see him wrestle. Um, and like his in-ring career was like a weird one because he wrestled in the United States in a time where being British meant that you were like, you know, little Lord Fauntleroy essentially. So he wrestled like comedy matches uh for the most part like but amazing ones and occasionally had brilliant brawls with people like the belfast bruiser finley um Mm. you know astonishing technical stuff like if you want to if you have peacock or whatever you can look up his feud against cm punk for the intercontinental championship and see cm punk mature as an in-ring performer was already very deep into his um He's a genius, uh, and I don't want to give short shrift to this match, um, but I feel like this match was a lead-in to this moment, so it doesn't really matter outside of the fact that, like, you know, the the proposed, like, I only team with people who make me bleed thing, like, came true, um, and, you know, Brian Danielson isn't going to want to leave that loss unavenged forever, but... Um, this is big. It's, it's really weird because it's it's two main event guys who don't need any extra seasoning being given a ton of extra seasoning by being put together in a tag team and given a manager with the reputation that William Regal has. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens.
0: Yeah, it, it is very much... It is very much like a, an unseen thing in, in pro wrestling to, to, to see this this kind of group... Form in the way that it has um and i don't know i i don't know if i'm over the the initial shock of just seeing william regal back in a ring no
1: not at all no like
0: i don't think that's gonna go away for a while like william regal like growing up a wcw kid like william regal was like one of the people that i enjoyed watching the most Mm -hmm. um during that era and to see him back in in a way that he can truly like embrace all aspects of himself because, like, yes, he can do comedy, he can do goofy fairly well. But he, I think a lot of people have missed that tenacious William Regal in a pro wrestling presentation. And you got it immediately as soon as he headbutts Mox and has Mox's blood on his face, like, he's just like immediately clicks back in. Like it, just, it works so well. Um, the match itself is outstanding. I can't remember a time that I've seen a finish where a triangle is reversed into a roll-up. I, I may be wrong. I probably have seen it before, but like, either way, outstanding way to end that match. Um, and yes, eventually Danielson is going to want to avenge that loss, but I think we're going to be in for a fun ride before we get to that point again with these three and whoever else might join who knows maybe lee moriarty and daniel garcia the teased names end up uh rolling with this uh this shooter crew that we have here now
1: (laughs) one can dream yes
0: definitely (laughs) uh and okay that's gonna bring us to the uh tornado trios match where obviously like we do every time on this show Um, We are going to add the disclaimer that uh, Darby Allen has been uh, credibly accused of abuse. Um, So we have Darby Allen, Sting, and um, Sammy Guevara taking on the Andrade Hardy family office. uh, Perhaps one of the worst named factions ever. Um,
1: Worst, Worst factions ever.
0: Worst, yeah. I mean... I I don't know if I feel comfortable declaring that for myself personally. I have to go back to the roller decks. But it's I'm I'm comfortable. I know I (laughs) I realize that it is near it, if not the worst um right now. Just because who does it fucking serve? Um but yeah, so we had this match. Um I'm just gonna come out right and say like outside of staying stage diving, um I did not need this match in my life at all. I didn't really like yeah, they did they did some good stuff in it. There were some exciting moments in it, but like in terms of like did I want this match on the pay-per-view? Did it need to be on the pay-per-view? No. Th- this could have been a fine like dynamite main event and leave it there.
1: From what I understand, it took 13 minutes for Sting to get to the point where he was going to jump off the balcony. <laughs> And given that he did and it was rad, all 14 (laughs) minutes were earned.
0: (sighs) I somehow literally
1: (laughs) cannot tell you anything else that happened.
0: (laughs) The only other thing I can tell you about about this match really for me was that like I immediately thought that Isaiah Cassidy was like extremely hurt after taking that Spanish fly onto the fucking like video ram um Hmm. that was the only other moment really for me um
1: did sting perform the spanish fly
0: no i don't
1: remember it happening
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh god as soon as i saw sting diving dive through the tables i'm like this is all colette's gonna this is all that matters this is the only thing (laughs) That's it.
1: That's it. Name something else. I mean, you had Darby, Sammy, and Andrade wrestle on Rampage like, you know, two nights before. So you can take all of that stuff out because it was already done better because there, you know, wasn't Matt Hardy involved in the match, who's like very, very slow. Um, you know, no disrespect intended, but he's, he's kind of broken down. Uh, Sting is broken down in a very interesting way. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Hardy's not doing no balcony. Down. 63 year old sting breaking his neck at clash of the champions against uh uh stud rollins (laughs) like he's out there going all out (laughs) double stack of tables (laughs) it's the best (laughs) it's the whole match
0: i i just love that sting is out here living his best life
1: he's he's the best He's he's so good there was a, uh, he dropped a Players Tribune article today that I'm looking forward to reading, except that, like, he's focusing on the parts where he was, like, lost and sad, and that's going to make me feel sad, because it's like, oh, buddy, you're doing really good, like, I feel kind of bad that all the WCW wrestlers had to find God in the early 2000s, like, it breaks my heart. Yeah, I mean, it's fine, like, it works for people, it's okay, but, um, yeah, Sting going out. So, the, oh, I will say the thing about that 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 pissed me off was when he hit the balcony dive, and people were chanting, "You still got it." God, I, I wanted to fly to Orlando <laughs> and make war on that crowd because <laughs> he he did not still got it. Like that's oh. that is a new thing. Yeah. <laughs> But even then like
0: he's been around for a year. Like a
1: year, you don't a have to last like, year.
0: Yeah. You don't have to tell somebody they still got it if they've been showing you for a year that they
1: Nobody nobody has shown that much disrespect to Sting. Not even Cody Rhodes who had every reason to show disrespect to Sting. <laughs> Everyone else has just been super thrilled to see Sting. I saw Sting against Billy Gunn in Atlanta and you know what? Despite the fact that two old, old men were in the ring together at the same time, there wasn't a single person who was chanting you still got it, because it ruled seeing Sting and Mr. Ass lock it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got to say about Sting.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah. That's honestly all I need to say about this match, too. Sting, Darby, and Sammy get the win. Sting doesn't matter. Sting dived off dove off the, the thing. Double tables. Yeah. Oh god, so good. That's it. <laughs> Nothing more needs to be said about that match. Main event time. Adam Page, Adam Cole, AW world title. Um I I really liked this match. Um, but at the same time it did suffer from some of the same things we saw in the triple in the triple threat tag team match, as you alluded to before, you know, talking about the the soap opera drama between Bullet Club, uh, Elite Undisputed Era all the various conglomerate of factions that we have
1: in this. Extreme Horsemen Yeah (laughs) World Order 2000 (laughs) (laughs) The Band
0: Mount Rushmore The
1: Alliance to End Hulkamania (laughs) The bees between (laughs) these groups run deep and long
0: The Union Um
1: (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it the union of people telling you to shut up, Shane? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> the union of people you ought to respect, Shane.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. That's what it was. God damn it. <sighs> Wrestling is dumb. Adam Page. <laughs> Adam Page coming out here definitely saying gay in Florida as opposed to, to anything else but the gear. I, I don't know. Like, I... I loved all the the colors and the gear, especially considering that you don't always get to see that with, with Adam Page. Um, but gear aside, I thought the matches worked really well. Red Dragon's involvement was a little frustrating just because like it had that tendency to kind of obscure the moment a bit for, for what was going on there. Um, I really liked how I mean, obviously, these these two guys are great at what they do. And they work really well together. I like the, some of the story elements to it. I wish my cat would move.
1: Aw, but people like cats, no matter what, what that know. Twitter post
0: says. <laughs> no, everybody loves cats. But um, I don't know. Like, this match was, like, it was really good. It felt like Adam Cole finally, or not Adam Cole, Adam Page finally had a, a moment to really cement this I, his title reign a bit like say what you will about the the previous title defenses that he's had adam cole felt like the first like in terms of like how aw positions uh, characters on their programming adam cole felt like the first person outside of brian danielson that really um felt like a, a task to, to beat in a way. Mm-hmm. like I think the Danielson matches served that in the same in, in the same way but in a different it accomplished it in a different way. Um, it kind of like gave legitimacy to Adam Page as a wrestler. This match to me kind of gave him legit, more legitimacy as a champion if that makes any sense.
1: Right. Whereas like the archer thing was just a brawl.
0: Yeah, a fun brawl, but a brawl.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. Um, Where did this match land for you?
1: I think I liked the match. Um, I am adjusting to Adam Cole. I will be honest as a a wrestling journalist and say that as somebody who had kind of stepped away from it until um, the opportunity to write about it uh, regularly came along, I missed uh, the entirety of Adam Cole's NXT tenure the whole thing because I wasn't assigned to, to report it uh, and I wasn't interested enough in wrestling to seek it out while it was happening so like my experience of Adam Cole was as an indie wrestler who was like rising up in ROH and like the Adam Cole that I had seen since then I think i had been a little bit frustrated by his tendency to be Shawn Michaels <laughs> um <laughs> You know, like Shawn Michaels is a wrestler that I I I enjoy. I was gonna say that I will admit that I enjoy. Like I don't have to. He's considered one of the best wrestlers ever. Yeah. I don't think he's that tier, but I do think that he is a lot of fun to watch. And like, you know, I think that he knew in most instances when melodrama would be good <laughs> to employ. Um, that was not always the case in some of the cold matches that I've gone back and seen. Um, But I think that that is changing a lot um, in a way that is good. Uh, Like I, I like this. I like you. I didn't really like the interference I would have preferred uh, for this to have just been a straight match between the two before Cole got too frustrated, like in a second match and then called out people or whatever. Um, But I think that so far as this match goes, what's, what's good about it is that, you know, they've positioned the AEW championship as a kind of classic wrestling title where um, whereas like the identity of the TNT championship can change based on who has the championship. The AEW championship has always been a classic wrestling title. Like even when it was Chris Jericho, like you were having regular wrestling matches to prove who was the best, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I agree with you. Like, like you said, um, the Brian Danielson matches um, were something that felt like they were legitimizing page as a wrestler and this match feels like something that has legitimized page as a champion and I think that that is something that continued uh on dynamite like the week after uh when he beat um who did he beat oh Dante Martin he beat Dante Martin um in like a match that like wasn't super long and it wasn't like you know um You know, overly complicated or anything like that but that is like the kind of like good television champion win sort of thing that like you want to be able to do if you're a champion to this level Um, so I thought that it established pages that I also think that it did a good job as kind of reaffirming Cole as the top heel in the company uh, at least while Kenny Omega's away Um, but who knows what it'll be like when Kenny Omega comes back he might turn face again like I don't know I didn't see Don Callis' promo in the pre show, but you know, you can always disagree with your manager. FTR did, they fired Telly Blanchard. Exactly. Um, So, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens from here. It's fascinating to me that, you know, a 25 minute match or so, like, isn't uh, the definitive end of the feud. Uh, Like, this is, like, we alluded to earlier, like, this is one of the matches that is going to be leading into a rematch because Cole challenged on Dynamite. so it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Like, you know, uh, Page and Danielson went in a drastically different direction in their second match than they did in their first. Um, and I think that both of them have it in them to do so again. Um, but it's got me interested in a guy that I already liked it in Paige. Uh, and it's got me interested in someone who I was kind of lukewarm on in Cole. So I think it did a job.
0: Yeah, it definitely accomplished what it wanted to do. Um, leave Red Dragon in the back for the second match, please. Um, yeah, and... we not the Young Bucks. Yep. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to have to watch Matt Jackson nodding again. Yeah. <laughs> He's about to hit the bug shot. Yep. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, it was a great way to close out the show. Um, I I really enjoyed this for the most part. Obviously, there were the moments there for me, but I don't know. I don't know if I would go so far as to say is there best show like so many other people are but Revolution was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um I will say just as a personal thing for me um the stream was super choppy and that was frustrating but I still watched it. And that I think goes to show like how good the good stuff was on this show. Like that I would I just didn't mind dealing with BR the BR apps crap when no, it came it to it. yeah it's frustrating. Um, before we get to, I want I want to get like your like final takeaways for the event. But before we get there, um, any thoughts on the signing of Swerve Scott or not Swerve Scott? Now Swerve Strickland. God damn it, brain going away.
1: Oh, Swerve Strickland. Okay, Stuart yeah, Swerve... Swerve Strickland. And I was like, that sounds like a NASCAR driver.
0: <laughs> it, uh... it does sound like a NASCAR driver.
1: <laughs> no, Swerve Strickland. <laughs> yeah, Swerve. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing his uh, first match on rampage uh even though i wish that they hadn't have been like it's time to revisit this obscure 205 live beef <laughs> like, god a terrible way of uh of getting into that match but um you know i i like what i've seen from him a lot uh in NXT and i like what i've seen from him elsewhere like i think that he's a great wrestler um it's the eternal question with AEW which is like where where do they put all these guys that they have under contract um you know it seems like they're going to be a little bit more interested in swerve than they were with jay white which is fine by me because i like swerve way more than i like jay white um but you know like it's it's a weird thing to think about like as to whether or not they need another title for this roster like to just kind of give people something to do um and i don't know what that would look like but i would imagine that he'd be the kind of guy who who slots into like the owen hart cup that they're going to be doing right like for sure you know like this this young guy who is athletic and talented and can do basically everything like he'd be a good fit for something like that so um i i bet that he beats pretty decent tony nees uh (laughs) like i can't i can't imagine (laughs) i can't imagine that going any other way uh yeah but you know like it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens um you know, because they have they have a lot of talent on that roster right now, and a lot of people to build with. And I don't know if you've like noticed, but it seems like a lot of like kind of the Gen One and like Gen Two AEW roster signees like have kind of faded like to the back um, a lot. Yeah. Like you know, Dark might not have room for Serpentico and Luther's Chaos Project soon. I have like, is Joey Janela been on lately? Not, I don't think he's been on since the like kind of culminating
0: that feud with Sonic Kiss.
1: Yeah, so yeah. you know it's just one of those things. I know Kip Sabian is chilling out in the crowd with a box on his head, um, <laughs> like which is interesting because you know they don't allow signs at AEW shows. Like they don't let you bring them in, <laughs> at least the ones I've been to. <laughs> so, so he's getting <laughs> a box through the doors? It's crazy to me. <laughs> um, so yeah, like we'll we'll kind of see what happens. But um, I think that like you know diversifying their roster and making it. Uh, better, frankly, because he is great and he had a lot of buzz when he got released. Um, it's good. Good for them.
0: Yeah. Likewise. I, Do you want to know I, how I
1: feel about the signing of William Regal?
0: Uh, I think I know, but please share.
1: <laughs> That's a good move. 10 out of 10, Tony Khan.
0: <laughs> oh, goddammit. It's so good. Uh, final takeaways from the show, from from Revolution for you.
1: Uh, I think the final takeaway for the show for me is that everything that is supposed to be great uh, was great. Um, You know, I don't know if the main event was supposed to be great. That's a weird thing to say. Um, The main event (laughs) was supposed to be great. I thought it was good, but like for me, the stuff that is marketed towards me like hit really well. Um, I talked a lot earlier about like micro targeting people, Um, and for me, like you're hitting me with Kingston Jericho like on a couple of different levels. You're hitting me with MJF and CM Punk. You're hitting me with Moxley and Danielson and if I as somebody who watches a show you know it doesn't cost me any money but like if I'm watching a pay-per-view and I get three things that I enjoy to a level that is very difficult to describe uh you're doing very very well and the rest of it like it's not wallpaper but you know it's it's fine like it's a fun way to pass the time I wish these shows were shorter uh I forgot how long they were uh, when i was live at the one in chicago i for whatever reason the names all blend in for me like i think it was all in or all out I think all it was out. all out yeah yeah when i was at all out like the fact that it was a five-hour show <laughs> like started dawning on me uh i think two and a half hours in because it's like these these things used to be shorter and that used to be easier to manage but now now i'm older and i have like a body that is not so used to sitting around for five hours (laughs) like (laughs) please please move this show forward but then they'd be like what's up pentagon and phoenix are gonna do crazy shit up the top of this cage and it's like all right fine i'll keep sitting (laughs) um but at home it's a little bit more difficult to keep it keep an attention span um but i think for the most part they did really well um you know i would like to have no ladder matches in the future but i'm never going to win that so too many people like to make gifts for one night and then forget that they made them the next day
0: yeah yeah no well that's aw revolution 2022 in the books we'll put the sonic ring in the closet until next year but uh colette thank you for for taking the time to to chat about the show with me. Let everybody know um, where they can find you online and what you got going on at FanFight.
1: All right, you can find me online uh, on Twitter at Colette Aaron, C-O-L-E-T-T-E-A-R-R-A-N-D. Um, at FanFight right now, uh, where I am the editor, we have been covering uh, Revolution. Um, we've had essays come out every week about the show um, and what's happening on it. Um, we're covering it slowly because we kind of fold everything out and like cover it intensively as like a narrative and not just as a recap of what's coming out. So um, currently we have a analysis of QT Marshall's match against Hook. Uh, (laughs) And uh, we, we also have one um, about Danielson and Moxley. Um, So uh, I am trying to figure out some different essay formats for myself. Uh, That should be a lot of fun that involve pictures of the lint chocolatier um, (laughs) because he is a good looking man Uh, and outside of that you know we're just uh, just having fun with pro wrestling so come check us out it's at uh, fanbite.com wrestling
0: awesome awesome thank you again colette thank you My thanks once again to Colette for taking the time to sit down and, and unpack and relive this show with me here today. Um, just uh, so good. It was a, so good for the all around, um, really, really good show. Um, that being said, we're going to end for this week. Um, but come back next week. We won't be as late as we were this time around. <laughs> I. Y'all, I'll just pull by the curtain real quick. I got too many jobs. <laughs> it's okay, though. It's okay. It's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have right now. Um, But that being said, uh, we, we are going to say goodbye here. Uh, but we'll be back next week with uh, another awesome new podcast as we keep marching towards uh WrestleMania week and the uh, – Balloon of content that's going to be coming for us there. I think I was looking at a lot of the show, the number of shows that are running uh, that week, and obviously we're not going to cover all of them, but we're going to cover a good chunk. Obviously. That's just what we do here. I mean, we did like seven shows last week for WrestleMania week, but either way, it'll be fine. Um, we'll tackle that when it comes, but we have plenty on the road there as well. You know, we have Mateo Valentine coming up, we have some other awesome guests coming up. Uh, Make sure to stay tuned and keep your eyes filled every Thursday for new episodes here. Um, uh, yeah. I, I ha- thought I had something else to plug there, but I don't right now either way, <laughs> uh, but until next week, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted. If you are able to do so and a special shout out to IWW for being the second wrestling promotion to Say they will donate streaming revenue for the month of March to organizations helping trans people. Bye! Everybody, we ready to die. Everybody Bye! Everybody, we ready,
2: ready, ready to die. They didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge. See me to deal with the demon till so I a good list. But the moon is out and the devil is shot. It's the bullyless 666.